that I speak for you when I say that I always enjoy the music of Christmas. And a few weeks ago, because I believe in my heart that uh, the Lord has permitted or the Lord has sent for this good church a time of waiting. And so today I want to talk about growing spiritually when we have to wait. And some of you are wondering, well, <clears throat> why are we having to wait so long for a pastor? And I can understand that, particularly when your fill-in preacher is 84. And, um, but I believe that we can waste waiting or we can learn things from the Lord. And today I want to direct your attention to the 40th chapter of Isaiah. Now, let me also hasten to say that <clears throat> the Sunday of the 17th, I will, if the Lord allows me strength to be here, uh, will preach a sermon on uh, Christmas and, of course, on New Christmas Eve, which is the 24th. But next Sunday, we have two young men who will be ordained to be deacons, and I look forward to that. The book of Isaiah, I call it the kind of the crown jewel of the prophets. I have named it myself the messianic prophet because Isaiah speaks very graphically on many occasions about Jesus Christ. And so I want to begin reading in verse 28 of the 40th chapter. Now, the book of Isaiah is divided into two sections. Sections 1 through 39 has to do with God's condemnation or sin against Israel. And there are some graphic descriptions of God's judgment. I was talking to a doctor friend of mine last evening, and he goes to a different denomination to church. And uh, he began to talk to me about the, the judgment we see of God in Revelation, and he wanted to talk about it. Now, the Bible tells us in Romans to behold the goodness and the severity of God. And so in the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, we have pictured the severity of God. But chapter 40 begins, comfort you Comfort you, my people. God shifts from condemnation to comfort. And what you have in chapters 40 through the end of that, this great book is the comfort of God even when God's people are not always faithful. If we will look for it and seek his face, God will comfort us. And so in verse 28 it says this, do you not know and have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. And then he says this, But those who wait in the Lord will renew their strength. 
They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary, and they will walk and not faint. Now, I am aware that in some translations, the word wait is translated hope, but those two are interchangeable words. And so for whatever reason, the Lord has chosen for you folks as a good church to wait for a while until God chooses to send someone who will be your shepherd. We know a lot about Isaiah. We know, for instance, that according to chapter 8, he was a married man and he had two sons and he named them and they had long names. You might be interested to know that over 60 times Isaiah is quoted either from what he said or his name is mentioned over 60 times in the New Testament. 46 of those times occur in the Gospels or in the letters that Paul wrote. Isaiah speaks of the birth of Christ. A lot of what we sing at Christmas is rooted in what Isaiah said. In Isaiah 7, 14, he says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and bear a child and, and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. That same verse is almost verbatim quoted in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And then all of us are familiar with what Isaiah said about Christ's birth in chapter 9. He says, For unto us a child is given, unto us a son is born. The government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But Isaiah does not stop there. He does not just talk about the birth of Christ. If you want a graphic description of our Lord's death at Calvary, read slowly and carefully Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, he says this, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And then probably most of us know this verse, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him, referring to Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And so Isaiah is justly called the Mosaic prophet. He speaks about our Lord, not only about his birth and death, but other references to our Savior. But here in our text, he says, but those of us who wait upon the Lord. Now remember, beginning with chapter 40, God wants us to be comforted because if we are willing to wait on the Lord, there is a blessing and there are benefits. But oftentimes, in our fast-paced American society, waiting can be a burden. We don't like to wait. You don't like to wait. I don't like to wait. Nobody really likes to wait. The reason I know that is because if we go to the hospital in Roanoke and we want to go on the eighth floor and we're down on the main floor, 
How many times do we push that button to get that elevator to hurry up? It doesn't do a thing to make it hurry up. Those things are programmed, and, but I have stood there and I've pushed that button and pushed that button because we don't like to wait. Of course, I mentioned even last Sunday that we, uh, we, we certainly don't like to wait in the doctor's office or the dentist's office. We, of course, like to go to the express lane and, 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 uh, and, and the market. I, I, I had something to happen one time, and I want to share it with you so you won't make the mistake I did. But I was in Walmart maybe 10 years ago, and I had three or four little items, and I was in the express lane, and there was a lady, she's about 35 years old, big old girl, and uh, she had her, her buggy packed, you know, I bet it cost two or $300. And I wasn't trying to be ugly. I said, ma'am, this is the express lane. Wrong thing to say. <laughs> I was uh, glad to get out of there with my life because she, when she got through with me verbally, I, I thought I was on the level of a tick. And so don't ever, if somebody comes into the express lane, let them have the express lane. The American, our technology today, of course, we're in a hurry, you know, and we're in the age of information technology, and, and we can get in touch with people through the telephone and social media. There's a lot of ways because we are a, a, a hurried people. Uh, even the medical community has given us my chart. I was talking to a friend of mine who is a retired professor of medicine uh, at the University of Virginia, and I asked him, I said, what, what do you think about my chart? He said, I'm not really in favor of it because you can get all your test results, but you don't sometimes know what they mean, and sometimes, of course, it's disturbing, but because we're hurry, they'll give you your medical report. Our American culture, of course, is programmed to, to be in a hurry. That's the reason, by the way, we have fast food restaurants, because we want our food fast. That's the reason they have places that call, are called minute markets and quick shops. We want to get in and get out because we are in a constant hurry. But just about a week ago, I finished a book. I love to read books, and I finished a book that was written by a, a wonderful young lady, an African-American lady, who was a soldier. She happened to be in the same unit with a young girl from West Virginia, Jessica Lynch. You remember, she wrote a book, and they were in a convoy, and the convoy was about five or 600 trucks long, and and their part of the convoy had problems, and they got uh, uh, behind, and, and the Iraqi soldiers or military or whatever it was captured them, and, and this young lady was shot and wounded, and she was taken captive, and she talks in the book, like Jessica Lynch in her book, about what it meant to be captured and what they went through, and and some of them went through horrible experiences, but this young lady, Shauna Johnson is her name, and I, at the end of the book, she said something that just caught my attention. She said, all I went through during, I think it was only three or four weeks they were captives, she said, the hardest thing I had to do is wait. And I thought, that says a lot. Here, 
This woman was shot, I think, twice. Both her legs were injured. She had permanent damage. She was rushed from this house to that house in order uh, to, to keep them in secret places. But she said, the hardest thing I had to do, even having a child back home, was to wait because we do not like to wait. But as Christians, if we believe God is who he says he is, sometimes he either allows or sends us a period of waiting. And there are a lot of things that we wait on, of course. There are times in our lives we, could, we would change it if we could, but we can't, and therefore we have a waiting period. And this good church, whom I've grown to appreciate and to love God for whatever reason, has put you folks in a season of waiting. I believe that God is sovereign, and he either sends it or he permits it, and we who are waiting on God to answer, we can waste this time and be critical. We can point fingers. We can blame others. We can talk about those sorry preachers out there, and I would agree with some of that. But the point of it is for you, uh, God wants us to wait. And if we will treat it in the right way, if we will believe it is from the Lord. By, by the way, I have noticed in my retirement there there seems to be a, a shortage of pastors and I don't understand that I had a pastor to tell me not too long ago I had read that statistics years ago that every year 1500 Southern Baptist pastors leave the ministry I don't know if it's because that's hard or whatever it is but for whatever reason there does not seem to be as plentiful as it used to be. But waiting is a part of the life we live. You remember in the Old Testament when, when this good prophet prophesied that there would be a time when the Lord, a virgin would bear a son, referring to Jesus, and you will call his name Emmanuel, which of course, as you know, means God is with us. And that same verse is quoted in Matthew chapter 1. They had to wait 700 years before the Messiah came. And so this great prophet with conviction and with clarity says there will be a time according to the program of God when he will send the Messiah, when there will be a virgin who will give birth. And that man who will be called Emmanuel is God in the flesh. That is the reason we celebrate Christmas. That is the reason we believe that Jesus Christ was not just a man. He was God clothed in flesh. That is the reason that Christmas has that note of what we look for for Israel after the prophet spoke of Messiah waited 700 years. And you remember when Gabriel, that angel sent from God, went to that young teenage girl named Mary and said, Mary, I do not want you to be afraid. You will be with child and you will bear a son and you will give him the name Jesus for he will save his people 
from his sins. And so with specificity, we who are the people of God recognize that waiting is indeed a plan that God has given us, a part of life that we have to wait. And if we will allow God to teach us, and all of us have been through, you know, we wait for medical tests or we wait for a child to be born or a grandchild to be born or we wait for a dozen other things, for a job to come through or our health to improve or we even sometimes have to wait because a loved one who is close to us is dying. Waiting is a part of the plan of God. It's a part of being a human being. But we can waste it and complain about it and be impatient and and, you know, we pray for patience. Lord, I want patience, and I want you to give it to me now. But the Bible says, after having done the will of God, you have need of patience. There have been times in my life as a Christian, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, that there have been times that I have quoted that to myself. After having done the will of God, after having done the best you can, after having done what you believe God wanted you to do, there is still the need of patience. We're, we're not a very patient people, I don't think, at least but not by nature, but there, God has a, has a word for us. The reason we're needy people and have to wait is sometimes I'll go through my prayer journal, a, a journal, I make a new one every year, and I divide the days up, of co- I mean the week up in days, and There'll be certain things I pray for on one day and the certain things I pray for another day. And then there are some day, uh, during the week, there are some people I pray for every day. There are, there are some people right here that I generally pray for every day because, you see, we need prayer. And, and as I go through my prayer, I, I, I come across a name, and you don't know who I'm talking about, a, a young mother with several children who has a metastasized cancer. Her husband waits, she waits, wondering if the treatment will, will, will be effective so she can live to see those children grown. We have to wait. Waiting is a part of God's appointment in our life. Perhaps maybe as a, a father or, or, or a mother, maybe you have a child who, who's in a period of rebellion and and the God that you love, and the Christ that you are trying to serve, that child has no interest in that. And you pray, and you wait, and you pray, and you wait, because in the economy of God, waiting can be used of God for our well-being spiritually. And I believe God has a word for us. Here the Bible says, in those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. By the way, that, that, that word wait there is, is a particularly interesting word. And uh, it is a word, and, and give me a moment to explain it. The word wait has a word picture attached to it. And, it, and it's the idea that you have a, a piece of string. Now, all of us know what a piece of string is or a piece of thread, and you know, it might support maybe a half a pound or a pound, but, but you can't, you know, you can't swing on a piece of thread. 
But the idea is because the thread represents us. We are weak. And how many of us today confess that there is a a weakness about us. Now, if you're young, you might be strong in strength, but as you get old, you recognize that old age wears away your strength and you become weak. But all of us, in a spiritual sense, are weak. And, 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 and the idea in the word waiting is our weakness is wrapped around a rope. And the rope represents holy God. And the picture here in Hebrew is that in waiting, we recognize that we are weak, we are impatient, we are prone to get upset and to point fingers and to be critical. But if we will wait on the Lord, we'll wrap our weakness around the great God of the universe who created the stars and moon and the sun and who, who spoke and the world's work. The God who created has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is the reason that waiting, he says, days who wait upon the Lord. Now the word wait means that I will allow my weakness to be wrapped around the strength of the Lord. Psalms 27 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. You see, and when we're waiting and when we're struggling, we want things to, 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 to come out all right instantly. But we're told to wait for the Lord and be strong and take courage. Waiting, as I said, means that I allow the weakness of Larry Holland to be wrapped around the strength of God, even when waiting is difficult. I was preparing this sermon, have been, for a couple of weeks, and I, uh, my wife and I, we were getting ready to have dinner the other night, or where I'm from, we called it supper. And, um, and we were going to have some cherry preserves. And we had had those preserves a good long time. And uh, I got there, and I can remember I used to pop those things off with one twist. And I got those preserves that had not been opened, and I twisted it, and nothing happened. And I twisted it, and nothing happened. I put it under hot water, and nothing happened. And I hit it with a fork or a knife, and nothing happened. And my little wife, who is, <clears throat> she's kind of on the weather today, but she looked at me. She said, you want me to help you with that? <laughs> We've been married 62 years today. I kind of wanted to smack her. The point I'm trying to make is, you know, I, I have been reminded almost daily that I'm not nearly as strong as I used to be. But even in old age, we can recognize the God whom we love and serve is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And praise God, he never gets weak. And we can trust him even in our time of waiting but it says here uh, in, in, in Psalm 37, 7, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently before Him. And so when He tells us to be still, see, that goes against the grain of our ingrained American culture, which is to hurry and to be busy 
and to do something even if it's wrong. Don't just stand there, do something even if it's wrong. And so we're in a hurried pace. That's the style of life that we live. And we're in a hurry to do this in a hurry. But the call of God upon people of faith, the call of God upon people who would worship Him during this Advent season is there is a time, of course, to hurry, but there's a time to be still. And it is in the stillness of the moment or the hour or the waiting that God can reveal himself to us. And it is at that point that waiting has spiritual benefits. Uh, I've already said that we're busy. We have jobs. We have family. We have a lot of other things. We, we don't appreciate laziness. I don't appreciate people who are lazy. I was not the most gifted preacher or pastor, but I knew how to work hard. I knew that I had a job to do, and I was busy. And up and until my 60s, it was often uh, on Saturday night, I would go through the hours that I spent in sermon preparation, the number of visits I had made that week, the hours that I would spend in counseling, the hours I would spend in church administration, because I wanted to be sure when I got paid, I had earned that pay. I don't like people who are lazy, and we seem to have a, an increased number of that. Does it bother y'all? And I, I want to be careful here. When you go to the grocery store, does it bother you to see people there in their pajamas? I don't know why they want to do that. But I'm not going to say anything because I learned my lesson. <laughs> but the point I'm making is, is that even though we are a busy people, for the people of God, it is absolutely necessary if we're going to grow in our season of waiting, we need to be still and listen to what God would say. And I would admonish you, this good church, that I, I really, I do, I love it. I, I've told a number of people it has been an honor and a privilege to just come here and speak to you and share in your lives during this period of waiting. But if we are not careful, we will waste this which the Lord has sent, but he wants us to be still because in Psalm 46, I have a sermon on this. And it says, be still and know that I am God. And folks, we're so busy, sometimes it's hard to be still. It's hard to be quiet. That is the reason I begin my day every day. And I think you should too, that uh, we, we need to spend time with the Lord. Folks, if we're going to grow, if we're going to be taught the things of God... You, it, it, not just on Sunday and Sunday school or, per, or worship service, but there needs to be a time. The, the Bible says, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. And so if I'm going to be a godly-minded person, if I'm going to be a person who has the, the sense on a daily basis of the presence of God's Spirit in my life, there must be spiritual disciplines. We all know that discipline is important. 
uh, as Christians, uh, we, we, we need to discipline ourselves. And when it comes to the spiritual aspect of my life, I need discipline. I need to give the Lord time to speak to me. I need to, to read His Word so that through His Word, He may reveal in our seasons of waiting what God would have us to do. Isaiah, this good messianic prophet in chapter 30 said, Blessed are those who wait for him. And then let me just close, I think. Yeah, let me just close. And he says, But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Now, in the word wait, there is the implied Thing that we are weak. That's the word wait in Hebrew. There is that implication that by nature we are weak, and that is true. And I'm not talking about physical weakness here, but we have a tendency because Isaiah said, All we like sheep have gone astray. And the tendency of my heart, even as a child of God, is to drift away from the Lord. That is the tendency of my heart. That is the reason I need spiritual discipline. And he says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. He's not talking about physical strength. He's talking about spiritual strength. And that's the reason we're told in the book of Joshua, be strong in the Lord. Be courageous. These are difficult times. These are trying times. And he says, and, and they will soar on wings of eagles. They will run and not be weary, and they will walk and not faint. I know my time of physical strength is gone. I know that. You, you have to know that when you get in your middle 80s. But I, as a Christian, believe if I will wait on the Lord, if I will be still and let Him speak to me, and I have a heart that wants God to speak. We have so many voices in the world. But the greatest need today is the church to listen to the voice of God. Folks, we've got politicians doing this and that and the other. We need to hear from God. And the way we do that is that we will be still and know that He is God. But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. That's what I'm praying for, for me. And I hope as a Christian in this period of waiting, out there we will pray and believe and trust God that God has the preacher or the pastor that he wants to come. Folks, I believe that with all my heart. And it would be better for you to wait and get somebody who loves God with all their heart than to get somebody who does not know what it really means to lead a flock. Do you understand what I'm saying? I've known preachers that are not, <clears throat> not worth shooting. So you need to pray and wait and ask God to show you. You need to be patient. You need to be careful. Don't be critical. Wait on the Lord. Lord, I pray that I might not preach what I'm not trying to practice. Lord, I confess I'm weak, not only physically weak, but Lord, I have a tendency to be spiritually weak. Drift away, all we like sheep have gone astray. We just, 
have a tendency to just stray from the shepherd. But Lord, I pray that we might wait, we might be still, we might trust you, we might be disciplined as a church to wait, to be still, and let you speak. I make this prayer in the name that is above every name, the sweet name of Jesus. Amen.